Galatians chapter 6, verses 3 to 10. Right? We just finished a section of scripture where Paul is telling us to bear one another's burdens. And then today he's going to go on to say, bear your own burdens. And you're like, Paul, make up your mind. Right? Just to add emphasis, you know. So today, what we're going to be talking about is the unseen life. The unseen life. Now let's read, and then we'll pick it apart, and then we'll put it back together, and then Jesus will punch us in the face. Four. And I'm just... So, you know, I'm backing up a verse, because last week we did one to three. Now I'm backing up a verse because it totally connects and helps with the flow of what he's about to say, okay? So it's two. No. No. Three through ten. So we're overlapping three. Four, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Which sounds like the exact opposite of what Paul's always saying. He said, hey, don't boast in yourself. And he just said, hey, bear one another's burdens. Now he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to be able to boast in yourself and not boast in your neighbor. For verse 5, for each one will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whenever one sows, that he also will reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. These are Paul's words, and he's closing out his letter now. There's two more little chunks in here, this one and the next one. So he's, in this part, giving his final invitation to the Galatians. And then next week, we'll see the final warning and benediction. Like, hey, don't forget. So he's giving this final invitation, and everything that is said tonight about these words that Paul is saying in 3 through 10, I want you to understand how this is an invitation. As if there's somewhere that he wants you to go and somewhere that he can never force you to go but can only invite you to go. You see, because you can never force somebody to walk by the Spirit. You can force somebody to walk by the flesh and behave a certain way, but you can never force somebody into walking by the Spirit. So the only way that that ever works is an invitation to walk by the Spirit. Right? So what we're speaking about first is responsibility. We're speaking about bearing weight. And it's a little bit confusing because last week what we talked about is when Paul says, hey, 
If anyone's caught in sin, like you who are spiritual, go to him and correct him and restore him gently so that you can live like brothers and bear one another's burdens. Right? Remember that? Well, now he's saying, and I just said bear one another's burdens. Now what I'm telling you is to bear your own load because I don't want you to boast in your neighbor. I want you to boast in yourself, which doesn't sound like Paul at all. Uh, what he's saying right here, or what he was saying first in that first part is bear and be a neighbor. Bear a load and be a neighbor, right? You are to be bearing one another's burdens. And now what he's saying here is do your own work. And the point that he's getting across in both of these ideas is be a lifter, right? He's speaking about responsibility. Be a load bearer in the context that you're in. And now here's the distinction. If you're looking at the Greek words here, the word for burden means a weight, and it's referring to like a heavy weight. And the word load refers to something like a, like a backpack, like a backpack that a soldier would carry. That's his load. And a soldier is to be carrying his own load. But sometimes along the journey and this journey of faith, there are weights that are too bad, too big for any man to any one man to carry. So if you can imagine, like the soldier imagery, there's a soldier with a pack, and every soldier has his own pack, and every soldier should be fit enough by his faith to be walking in such a way that they are able to bear the load of their backpack, right, with all their gear and everything in it, right? So each soldier individually is to be a load bearer. We don't need an extra person coming along to have to pick up that backpack. However, there are cases along the journey where the unforeseen happens, the unexpected happens, and maybe like there is debris in the road, right? And when there's debris in the road, you don't just send one person and say, go move the debris out of the way, right? If it's a fallen tree or whatever it is. You don't say, hey, you go pick up the debris and we will stay back here and watch you do it, right? This tree in the road is not a single person individualized load. This tree in the road is a weight or a burden to be bared by the whole collective, right? So as one, the whole collective will go and Bear this load to clear this path, to continue on on this faith journey. So there's the distinction. That's why Paul's saying, on one hand, hey, bear one another's burdens. And on the other hand, hey, you're responsible for your own load. It's not contradicting itself. One is saying, hey, personal responsibility. Everybody's got a weight in life to carry, right? You should be taking care of your own needs, but on the other hand, there are needs that are far too big sometimes for any one person to bear. And in such a way, we will live like brothers and we will live in camaraderie. And whatever comes against us doesn't come against you. It comes against us. And we will get through this. Not you can get through this, but we. So that's how we bear one another's burdens, but also carry our own loads, right? 
backpack versus excessive weight. Uh, and what the point is, and why we had to reiterate the whole, like, if any of you thinks of yourself more highly than you ought to, and, um, right, we talked about this point last night, of being conceited, right? Conceit doesn't work well for weight-bearing, right? It always throws the balance off. So what Paul is calling for here is a Christ-centered humility, Right? We talked about the two versions last week, just to recap. The two versions in which conceit can pop up in our lives. One is a sense of superiority. Right, I'm bigger, tougher, stronger, all these things than you. And it will create this imbalance in our community and in our relationships and in the way that we function as a team. It will imbalance the whole thing. But in the same way, that conceit can also show up as a sense of inferiority. I'm never good. I'm always a victim. Everything always happens to me. And I can't, when I think I'm inferior, I don't bear the weight that I'm supposed to bear that helps the community function as a whole. Right? So in either case... This thinking of yourself more highly than you ought, this self-conceit leads to a way that the burdens of a community are, bared in, are born in an imbalanced way. So what Paul is again calling for is this Christ-centered humility. Where you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, and you don't think of yourself more lowly than you ought. But in a very balanced way, you just are who you are. Or like Paul says elsewhere, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Right? So if you just are who you are, then you're perfectly steadfast and centered, bearing the load that is allotted to you. And if you see a need, if you see something ahead in the road, you have no problem being a part of the helping effort that moves that load, that bears that burden. And it's never a burden to you to be bearing others' burdens because with Christ-centered humility, their burden is your burden. And your burden is their burden. And there's no more scorecard. There's no more counting. I did this for you. You did that for me. No. We do this for the community. We do this for the whole. We're in this together. We're a team. Um, then he starts to go on after he says, you know, be a weight bearer and be responsible. He goes on to this next point. He says, I want you to sew well. And not sew like a needle and thread. <clears throat> I want you to sew as a seed in the ground. I want you to sow well. See, he talks about this idea of sowing and reaping. <clears throat> and it's a familiar image, an agricultural image, to these uh, people in this time and place. And what he's pointing out is just the basic cause and effect of, of everything. The basic interworking relationship of everything, right? He's getting them to think consequentially. Not to just be this self-centered, always looking at my toes and worrying about my own needs, only bearing my weight, never concerned for the people around me kind of member of the community. 
but this like like eyes up eyes on the horizon like weight bearing i've got this handled like meeting others needs and saying where the needs are and this faith being expressed through love and this thinking consequentially and understanding how actions lead to results and consequences and i understand with this this wisdom and insight from the lord how what i sow will reap something new and he says this he points this out so with this whole distinction running throughout Galatians of flesh versus spirit, my power versus God's power through me. And he goes, it all comes down to this. If you sow in the flesh, you will reap from the flesh. Makes sense, right? In anything that you can reap from the flesh or from your strength, power, and might, what you reap from that Every time and always is corruption, right? And I don't think Paul's getting like too alarmist here. And I don't think he's like flipping out on people like, hey, don't do this. Oh my gosh, you are corrupt. No, he's just, you know, it's a little bit of a warning, but it's less of a condemnation or correction and more of an encouragement to be a good sower, So if you sow in the flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. However, if you sow from the, if you sow in the spirit, you will reap from the spirit eternal life. And then we got to ask, like, what does it mean to sow in the flesh versus sow in the spirit? Right? Sowing in the flesh is anything that I can do in my might, strength, power, uh, anything that I can do in and of myself. Sowing in the spirit, to put it briefly, is doing good. Doing good. Right? And I don't know, I think sometimes, I think that we know that the Christian life is the the good life or the life of doing good. But maybe sometimes we get so caught in the legalistic back and forth banter and get maybe so pulled down and discouraged by people saying this is good or this is bad or you're in the wrong or you're in this judgment flying down, which happens to be the scenario in the church of Galatia, right? These, these very self-righteous Judaizers who've been circumcised and keep the dietary laws go to these much inferior know-nothing Galatians and say, listen, guys, you need to be circumcised. This is what it's all about. You need to be circumcised. You need to eat a certain way. You need to keep this law in addition to the spirit. And what they've encouraged into this church or this community is You need flesh on top of Jesus. And this, although it sounds good, although it sounds like circumcision and dietary laws and behaving yourself a certain way, although it sounds good on the surface, this is one of Paul's biggest letters of correction. 
to any church to which he wrote a letter. And he says, no, don't add on to Jesus by works of the flesh because anything that you sow by the flesh only reaps corruption. Right? The road of the flesh leads to corruption. So if you try to take Jesus down the road of the flesh, you're only sowing flesh. However, this road of the spirit that looks like sowing the spirit, that looks like sowing good, that looks like doing good, this reaps through the spirit eternal life. And that is the only source of that life. So one road is trying hard, pleasing others, making people happy, thinking that we have to make God happy like we're, we're, we're in a bad relationship with him and we always have to make up for it. Right? That's the path of the flesh. And the path of the spirit trusts God for who we really are. trusts God it is a path that requires faith and this path of the flesh is so much easier because we get instant gratification we know when we're doing good and when we're doing wrong we get the instant feedback from the people around us and yet this path of the flesh requires no faith at all no trust at all this path of the spirit is all about trust. It's fully living on faith. It's completely abandoned saying, I'm all in. And it's the life of doing good. And when we get caught in that flesh, when we get caught in the just the back and forth, that banter, and who's right and who's wrong, and the squabbling over the minutia of life, the things that don't really matter. When we get caught in that, we get really tired of doing the right thing. We get super tired because we ask the question well, if somebody's just going to tear apart all my good intentions, Why should I even try? But here's the thing. That path of the flesh is paved with good intentions. This path of the spirit is paved with trust. And it continues to do good even when it doesn't see the results and the payoff from doing good. In fact, what Paul says is, hey, listen, if you spend any time walking along this path of the Spirit and sowing in the Spirit, chances are you're probably going to get tired of doing good because there are going to be times when you don't see instant results from sowing in the the Spirit, from sowing good, from doing right, from living the good life from living in the spirit and in that trust. And that's 
That's where that faith comes in. He says, don't grow tired of doing good because here's the reassurance that in that path of the Spirit, we will have a harvest. And although it doesn't seem like it or feel like it, sometimes there will be a harvest. He reminds you, be patient. The life of faith and the life in the Spirit is a patient life. And if we don't have the patience required to live by faith, we'll probably always find ourselves on the path of flesh. But he he says, hey, first of all, don't don't grow weary of doing good. There's going to be a harvest. And in fact, be opportunistic. Seize the moment. Jump on that train. If you see an opportunity to be living by the Spirit and doing good, jump on it. Don't just walk, run to it. Go there with enthusiasm and fervor toward the life of the Spirit. Walk, better yet, run in the Spirit. And although you don't get the instant gratification and feedback of, yeah, this is good, you're doing awesome, this life of faith is a life that completely requires faith and patience. And that's why he uses this agricultural image of sowing and reaping. Right? You think of throwing a seed into the ground, you give it the, the nutrients and the water and the sunlight that it needs, and then you sit there. Right? Maybe you just put it in the ground, and you sit there for about five minutes, and you're like, come on, nothing yet? And you sit there a whole day, 24 hours. Come on, we're talking hours. And you're staring at the ground, and you're like, What is going on right now? Where is this thing? It's not instantly gratifying. You maybe sit there for a week and you might not see anything. If you sit there for a week, you maybe see like a little shoot coming out of the ground. Maybe a little shoot. And that's it. And you're like, I've spent a week doing all the right stuff, giving it water and sunlight and nutrients. And I covered it. And I did everything that the guidebook told me to do. And I've been a good sower for a week. And I've got a shoot. There's nothing impressive about a shoot. Maybe in two weeks it becomes a blade. A single blade sticking out of the ground. People are starting to mock you at this point. They're like, how's that life of sowing going? How's that working out for you? That living the good life, that doing the right thing all the time. How's that working out? And you're sitting there looking at your blade shooting out of the ground, the single blade, and you're like, not very well. This is never going to happen. 
This is never going to work out for the best. This is never going to be everything that it promised it was going to be. But think about a tree. You sow a tree into the ground. And maybe after months, months, you have a seedling. Months to get this little, this little thing that wouldn't even make it through the winter if you weren't caring for it. And nurturing it and growing it and filling it with the goodness. And it's at that point in the game that Paul says, don't you dare get tired of doing good. Don't get tired. Because when you sow, you're going to reap. And if you keep sowing in the spirit and you keep doing good, there will be a harvest, I guarantee it. And we're sitting here like bearing our loads and bearing one another's burdens and getting tired and, and bearing all this weight and saying, when's it ever going to happen? When's the payoff? When's the harvest? Right? Two, three years go by. You don't even have a tree. <laughs> it's not even a tree. I don't know what it is at that point. It's like a, like a juvenile. And like you could probably bend it with your hand and it'll bend over and touch the ground. Whatever that is, you've got one of those. Yeah. And people are like, what, what is this patheticness? What is this? And what they don't see starting to happen is the unseen part. The part below the surface, the roots that are growing down deep. See, this tree is growing in two directions. And ground level is right in the middle. See, these roots are growing in a way that nobody can see. Several years go by, maybe then, you've got something that you might be able to call a tree. But it doesn't give anybody shade. It doesn't do tree things. Decades go by. And maybe then you have a tree. And maybe then you get some shade. And people are looking at Paul like, Paul, I can't do this whole walk in the spirit thing. It requires faith and patience. And he's like, don't get tired. Don't get tired of doing good. There's lots of images that have this same meaning behind it. There's a tree. There's this idea of sowing and reaping and agriculture and growing down roots. There's a tree and there's also like a house. Right? Jesus uses the image of a house. He's like, don't build your house on the sand. That's dumb. Right? In your impatient hurry to get your house all built, you just built it on the sand. And it looks nice to the people walking by and they're impressed with your house and they're like, wow, he built that fast. I'm really impressed with this guy. 
but then the rains come down and the floods come and the winds blow and beat against the house and no more house. Just built it on the sand. And Jesus says the same message that Paul is saying when he says, don't get tired of doing good. Jesus says, those of you who hear my words and you put them into practice and you have the patience to dig down to the bedrock, the rock, and build your house on the rock, that is wisdom and that is a house that when the storms come, it stays there. And you're like, yeah, but digging down to the bedrock, that's going to take time. And I'm going to have a shovel. I'm going to have to borrow it from someone. And I'm probably going to sweat. I don't do sweat, okay? Well, here's the thing. It might be blood and sweat and tears getting down to the bedrock. It might be back-breaking labor, You might at some point of digging down to the bedrock when nobody seems to be helping you or anything, you might get tired of doing good. But that's the good life. And that's the life that is well lived. And that's the life in the spirit. And that is the unseen life. The life below the surface. The life that does the right thing when nobody's looking or asking for it. The life that is sown deep into the ground under the surface where there's this foundation that nobody can see at first glance. That's the life that makes it on into eternal life. Tree with its roots, a house with its foundation... And once we maybe like get a little bit good at that, maybe like once we do that for a little bit and we find our bearings and we understand like what it means to dig down and do the hard thing and like like get down, get a little sweaty, maybe get discouraged and get tired of doing good and then pick ourselves up and do good some more. Maybe we could become a bridge. Right? Think of a bridge going over like a bay or a river or something like that. You see a bridge connecting two pieces of land going over this water. You don't see the whole bridge. There is an unseen bridge, just in the same way that we were talking about the unseen life. And the unseen bridge is below the waterline. If the bridge builders never build below the waterline, the bridge will never do its job. So much of the structure, foundation, and everything that needs to happen for this bridge to function as a bridge needs to be built below the waterline. You can have a super impressive looking bridge, but imagine that foundation is just gone and only part of the bridge that exists is the part that is above the water. You put any kind of weight on that bridge, it will not hold the weight. 
So maybe some of us hear about this weight bearing and bearing our own loads and you're like, man, why would I help someone else? I can barely help myself. Well, when we're so focused on the weight, we might get discouraged. But when we're focused on building below the waterline and building that foundation and sinking in those roots to where they need to go to soak up all the nutrients and water and life that's happening. If we never get tired of doing good, if we keep sowing in the spirit, it would be this bridge that functions to pass people along and to be a connector and one who can connect the gospel to a people in a different place, a different culture, in a different language. We can be a bridge from heaven to earth. Because we got this foundation that goes down so deep. Let's be bridges, okay? Amen. And let's pray as well. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness. And I pray that when you, or I thank you, God, that when you were bearing a load, that you didn't get tired of doing good. God, I thank you for your work and your weight bearing and your taking responsibility for things that were not yours to take. God, I thank you for drinking our cup. And God, in light of how much weight you've bared and how patient you've been with us, God, in a small way and through the power of your spirit and through faith and trust, We can be weight bearers and we can be patient. And I ask God for everybody here that we would be people who sow well. Who live this life in the spirit that maybe takes more patience and more trust and more time. But God, through the countless hours and days and years of doing this life that you've called us to. Pray that ultimately we can be a benefit to those around us, that we can be a tree that gives shade and a house that gives shelter and a bridge that makes connections from heaven to earth. God, although we can't catch on to your vision that's, that's that big, we can't grasp that. God, we trust you. And we ask that you give that to us as we just walk by faith in the Spirit. God, show us the harvest. Show us what it looks like. Show us the encouragement that comes from reaping a life sowed well. In your son's name, amen.